What is good, futurists? You know who it is. It's Michael Zakond here, your host, and you're listening to the business podcast for young people. But I gotta let you guys in on something crazy. The Our Future brand is officially going galactic because yesterday we set in motion the master plan, and that's to build an ecosystem of the smartest and most ambitious young people on this planet. So we released the Our Future newsletter. The Our Future newsletter delivers exclusive industry insights and career advice from the business leaders at the helm of the most exciting companies to your inbox every single Sunday. Go and click on the link in the description of this podcast. It's exciting and you're going to learn a lot from it. My next guest is David J. Lee, CFO of Impossible Foods, the plant-based meat startup that's raised over $1.3 billion to reinvent the food system with its extremely delicious and indistinguishable animal alternatives. What's crazy is that since COVID hit, Impossible has increased its retail footprint by over 30X and it's on track to hit over 50X by the end of the year. David has an awesome track record in the business world. Before Impossible Foods, he helped pull off two major corporate turnarounds at Del Monte Foods and the other at Best Buy. I am inspired and delighted every day by the mission and the product at Impossible Foods. This one was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy. David, my first question to you is, when you were my age, 20 years old, did you ever envision yourself being a chief financial officer? Was that in your mind? Uh, I remember uh, being in college and and thinking that my destiny was to be um, a medical doctor, actually. My parents had emigrated from Korea. They were both physicians. They they almost had a vocation. They would serve underdeveloped parts of the population. And I remember we would get paid in apples and venison and whatever uh, the, the folks in need had to offer. And, and for me, going to school back when I was in my 20s uh, was about preparing myself to be um, an entrepreneur in, in medicine. It's interesting. I ended up starting a couple of companies in college uh, at Harvard, um, honestly, mostly to avoid having to clean toilets or, or bartend to pay off um, uh, my tuition. And I fell in love with this idea of um, creating something out of nothing and um, finding customers and uh, creating revenue. Um, and so from there, um, the rest of uh, my career began to get shaped around uh, becoming someone who could be in business, hopefully now as well, to make a difference towards uh, you know, the 27, 28 year mark of uh, being out of school. Um, but initially, it, w- it was to be a doctor. You proved yourself not only as someone who can be in business, but someone who can turn it around. So at Del Monte Foods and at Best Buy, you kind of returned these companies to growth and uh, implemented these 180 degree shifts. What is it like now to be an impossible, a company growing so fast, as opposed to, you know, turning a company around, you're, you know, bringing one into the stratosphere. Developing growth for a company that has never launched before pre-revenue like Impossible Foods feels a lot like my days turning around really large, mature companies uh, in the case of Best Buy and Del Monte, even PG&E. And I think in the case of really large companies, uh, particularly ones that are driven by consumers, I think that's an important element uh, that's that's different in turnarounds and transformations of mature companies versus hypergrowth. But in consumer-driven companies, in the case of Best Buy and Del Monte, you're creating growth to replace products or services that might be in decline. But in the case of Impossible Foods, you don't have either the cynicism or the weight 
of failure or declines in pre-existing businesses. You just have a great mission, a great founder, in our case, Pat Brown, and a clean sheet of paper. But in both cases, you're creating brand new things, brand new propositions to the consumer in one case to replace a declining business, and in this case to establish a mission. And when you establish this mission, you know, before you guys launched and, and in the early stages, were you expecting this meteoric growth of, of plant-based meat in this cultural movement towards, you know, with reducitarians, not just vegans, not just vegetarians, but you know, all kinds of consumers shifting over to plant-based meat? Well, I think Pat Brown did. Back in 2011, our founder started this company because he he knew there was a need for uh, the world of meat eaters, of which I'm one, to have products that didn't consume so much of our resources and, and maybe a better choice for our health and the environment. When I started, uh, call it in 2015, I think the pace of Pat's mission required that we see a meteoric rise, as you say. Um, and... I, I think we all believed we could do it. Now, oddly, I think it's it's one of the hallmarks, I think, of, of both companies that are in massive transformation if they're mature or young companies that are changing the future, is there's a common thing of, of believing from the very beginning that we would break all trends. I remember um, a bit of the judgment, though, uh, leaving a career that was more established in bigger companies to join this very young company pre-revenue back in 2015. And there was a lot of doubt. There certainly wasn't market evidence. But here we are today, you know, as you say, Impossible Foods has become a movement. We, uh, nine out of every 10 of our consumers are self-described meat eaters. It's, I think, a better product for meat eaters like me and, and others, independent of the fact that it happens to be a great choice for the world. And as CFO, I feel like just by nature of the position, you are inextricably linked to the bottom line. And keeping pace with Pat Brown's mission, you know, it's it's a very rapid rate of growth. How do you balance your attention between the bottom line and all these new different growth avenues, products, store expansions? How do you how do you balance the two? I think it's a great question, um, and and for those uh, who are listening to the podcast, it's a great question not just from a business standpoint, uh, but I think it's a great question from a career choice standpoint. Um, so let's start with the business impact. I believe great CFOs, great finance professionals, enable missions and businesses to thrive through better decision making, um, and by providing access to scarce capital. You know, one, one great strategist described corporate strategy to me as, how do you use your most scarce resource to deliver the best impact? You know, that's true if, if, you're, in a, if you're defending a fort with, you know, three soldiers and two guns, where do you place them? How do you figure out how to use the bullets? But it's also true if you're the CFO of a hypergrowth company like Impossible Foods. How do I enable Pat and the rest of the team to have the best chance to, to achieve success with whatever resources we have. How do I get us more? Um, for me, being a CFO is the consummation of being a marketer, being a head of sales, running a P&L. I think that um, I like to believe that I give better advice having sat in the seat of a lot of my colleagues. Uh, and so for me, when you have a mission and a team that you believe in, it's the best job in the world. 
So why don't we open your mind back uh, a little bit more into this brand and, and this marketing experience you have. What do you think the Burger King partnership meant to Impossible? Partnering with this national chain, you know, uh, putting its name out there all over the country. What, what do you think that, that meant to the company and the brand? I think Burger King, from a brand marketing standpoint, was a game changer. You know, we, we started with the best chefs in the world, uh, David Chang, uh, Tracy Desjardins, you know, Chris Cosentino, Michael Simon. Uh, but you notice right after nearly we launched with Michael Chang, uh, uh, sorry, David Chang, we launched in White Castle. And it's because this brand, the Impossible Foods mission and brand is for everybody. It's for the fine diner. It's for the QSR consumer. So to have Burger King, which is not only prevalent, I mean, 7,600 plus locations nationwide in the U.S., consumed by all walks of life, with a core following around not just uh, the King, but the Whopper, which they lended to this impossible Whopper product, uh, was the best of all worlds. It, it created near ubiquity in, in, in the case of growing our locations. It created brand affinity for people who really, really enjoyed a great burger. And it suggested that we were on a mission, not just for the fine diner, but we were on a mission for everyone. And during this pandemic, we've seen plant-based meat sales surge 300% in supermarkets. Compare that to just 50% for animal meat. And I think during this pandemic, we're thinking more inwardly. We're thinking about what we put in our bodies. We're considering our daily routine. We're just, we're almost holding a mirror up to ourselves way more than we used to. Do you think this is a turning point for the consumption of plant-based meat, this pandemic? Is it an inflection point? Well, you know, at Impossible Foods, we were on this unprecedented growth for some time, um, it pre-existing the current global pandemic we're in. Um, what I think this global pandemic does for us is it increases the way in which we get to the meat eater. You know, whether it's these thousands of grocery stores we've recently launched in or the fact that our restaurant partners can ship our Impossible Burger as an ingredient, a raw ingredient direct to consumers or our direct to consumer business, our uh, buy.impossiblefoods.com business. Um, but I, I do agree, we are all introspective through this crisis. We're sheltering in place. We're questioning our priorities, oftentimes with those uh, who are close to us in the physical space in which we work and live. And I think that's a great set of uh, ingredients, if you will, to create uh, more demand for products that make a difference. And, you know, not all plant-based products are great for you. Not all plant-based products hit the spot for craveability or make a difference. I think Impossible Foods genuinely does. Um, so we're hopeful that as more and more people seek to understand what, what food does to the world and what it does to their bodies, that they're naturally going to be drawn to a better product. Our focus is just to make sure we provide a better and better product over time. From where I stand, I'm seeing Impossible Foods, you know, every grocery store I, I, I'm shopping at, you know, we're, we're seeing it in the press, we're, you know, seeing it in Burger King, now Starbucks. What is What has been the biggest challenge to getting Impossible Foods to this point? Well, it's interesting. The challenge of today is simply execution. You know, it used to be when I started, there was a question of technology, you know, was the R&D going to create a better product? There was a question of what oftentimes is called 
product market fit? You know, will meat eaters embrace the impossible burger, the impossible sausage? There was a question of uh, financial sustainability. Could the unit economics deliver so that investors can invest? You know, I look at the business today, all those things that kept me up at night don't. Um, you know, we have raised $1.3 billion. We're nationwide, we're growing fast, uh, and we have more than just one product platform. I think there will be challenges ahead. I think uh, keeping pace for the racing demand we see as you think about global markets will be challenges of the future. But there are challenges of execution now um, versus existential challenges of technology or product market fit. This movement is underway. Uh, and so I think our job is to make sure we execute well and keep pace. You you have a few competitors, your largest being uh, Beyond Meat. Do you think this is a Pepsi and Coke situation or do you think we're going to see a lot more other meat companies come out with you know, plant-based products and it's going to come more of a diverse playing field? Well, because nine out of every 10 of our customers for Impossible Foods are meat eaters, our real competition is meat from animals. Um, defined, of course, by our customer, uh, not by my rhetoric or Pat Brown's rhetoric. It's about who's eating your product. And, you know, if you think about meat, people have been seeking to offer better forms of meat to meat eaters for decades. You know, some of the brands that um, have failed in the past aren't because uh, there was a lack of desire by meat eaters to have something better. It's just the products weren't that good. Um, so what I see in the future is I see a rising tide. You know, it's funny, meat eaters wake up. I woke up this morning thinking about what meat am I going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? It's an everyday part of meat eaters' lives globally. I mean, it's relevant whether you're in a developing economy in Asia or you're in a developed economy like the U.S. That fundamental everyday part of people's lives We'll be, have plenty of room for multiple companies, multiple brands, just as there are multiple companies and multiple brands of meat from animals. So I don't see a zero-sum game uh, for us versus other companies. I, I see a, a greater recognition of an everyday consumer that there are better choices. Um, and, and I'm excited to see more and more competition in this space is great when you're really confident in your brand and your R&D. Uh, we're happy to see more competition and there's plenty of opportunity. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self and give young David career advice on on the future and, and kind of where to be and, and pretty much something general, some something to guide you, what would you say? I never thought that uh, being a CFO would be my destination. You know, I started in advertising and marketing at the Leah Burnett Company uh, in Chicago. I remember making $18,000 of salary per year. I remember uh, being a creative for a while. I, I remember selling large companies on the idea that I could help them sell through advertising and marketing um, a brand. And, and so I think that as you progress in your careers, you, you oftentimes have to choose when to be a generalist and when to choose to specialize. And I have always been fortunate. I have always been a generalist. I always believed I could be a CFO if I had a background in advertising and marketing. I, I always thought that I could help companies as uh, the head of supply chain if my last experience happened to be in finance. Uh, and it's because I've had mentors who took generalist uh, talent 
molded it and trained it into being effective in specialist fields. Um, so it's a personal choice, I think, as to how you shape your career. Uh, but for me, I've benefited a lot in investing in general skills and uh, developing you know, mentors who would take those general skills and, and make them applicable. Ladies and gentlemen, that was David Lee, CFO of Impossible Foods. What is crazy to me is that nine in 10 of Impossible Foods customers are meat eaters. And the beautiful thing about that to me is that there's a free market solution to the world's most pressing problems. There doesn't need to be a regulation on the dirty and wasteful meat industry. A better, more sustainable product is currently out competing it in grocery stores. This really restores my faith in capitalism. Had so much fun on the pod with you guys today. Subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the new newsletter with the link in the comments. Stay frosty, guys. <laughs>